says we're live. Awesome. Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest running EOS podcast. If you are in the U.S., a happy Thanksgiving to you all and anybody else that's celebrating. And thanks for joining us on your Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, before we get started, if you are new here, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss another episode. And whether you're new here or not, smash that like button. It helps us with the algorithm. And if you're watching live, leave a go EOS in the chat so we know that you were here live with us. And the last thing I got to say before we get started is that nothing Zach or I say should ever be interpreted as any kind of legal, financial, tax, professional, investment, or any other kind of advice. Uh, you should never trust people what to do with your money online or... Uh, what will happen, you'll, Zach? You'll, you'll get wrecked. You'll get absolutely destroyed. Sure. As we've <laughs> seen, the markets are volatile. You never want to listen to anyone, especially permables. They're probably the dumbest of them all. So just don't listen to us uh, or anyone on the internet without doing your own research. Uh, we also wanted to call out a, a deal with Ledger today. Uh, we have a, a link in the description. We have 30% off uh, Ledgers. Uh, what else did <laughs> I forget what else we were supposed to say? Yeah, so 30% off any Ledger on the Ledger website with the link in the description of this video. Um, but in addition to that, the Ledger Nano S is now available in new colors and you can get one for 40 bucks. So 40 bucks for a new Ledger. If you already have one, it can be a backup. Uh, check the link in the description. And also the new colors and the new Bluetooth. Uh, yeah. All right, so I guess let's just kick this off. Uh, apologies for the uh, Liquid Apps DAP Hackathon, not co-streaming here on the DAP channel and on MaxDAP. We had issues uh, going into the live stream, but I do want to recap the results here. Uh, let me pull this up on the shared screen. Uh, just some facts and figures. We had 44 teams that competed, 234 participants wow. from 40 different countries. Uh, and then shout out to all of the team, uh, the map, I'll pop up the map. Uh, and shout out to all of the teams that made the finals. That's Blockstart, Multiblock, Recland, Vigorish, Team Onesis, Tippet, Mios, Diadem, Fundex, and BCS Germany. Uh, so shout out to all of those teams. Uh, the winners I, I have up on here. So the winner of the $15,000 and $500,000 uh, DAP token prize was a team called uh, Onesis. And they, they fulfilled uh, all three requirements. Uh, they only had to do one of the three, and that was DeFi gaming oh, wow. or creating a brand new DAP service. And uh, they created uh, basically all three. Uh, did you remember which one that was, well, Rob? It was the, uh, the escrow? Yeah, the escrow service. It's pretty interesting. So uh, I guess it's for like, if, if I want to basically bet somebody in a match online for any video game, I can go into Discord and I can bet um, and put the money in a liquid escrow service and then a ref can decide. And um, you were telling me before the call, I guess, that if somebody disputes it, you can sort of escalate it to the actual decentralized escrow service. Is that right? Yeah, so they they basically built this layer two escrow service, like you said, and they they integrated the gaming, uh, the sports league aspect. Basically, a referee is basically the arbitrator of the match. So you think of a referee like the arbitrator, and they take ten percent cut of the the game winnings, uh, and it's all done through Discord for the game matching. They play the game, and if there's no disputes, everything works as intended. But whenever there's a dispute they actually created an escrow service. And because it's on that wow. network, uh, first of all, just because they use the game use case, I thought the more interesting aspect was that it's not just limited to gaming. Uh, and they gave some examples on there. And the other thing was the chain agnostic escrow services. I, yeah. I thought we, we talked about that before the call. Uh, just some examples of that. Like you could have like, Imagine the title to your house being tokenized and you're like putting it up in an escrow service. And then you could also put Bitcoin from the Bitcoin network in the same contract or Ethereum from Ethereum or EOS. Yeah. Or EOS. 
So it's, it's pretty cool uh, to, to think of some of these ideas that I, I didn't even think of uh, a lot of them prior to the hackathon, especially this one. And es escrow and arbitration is something uh, we, we've kind of talked about since pre-mainnet on EOS. Uh, so it, it's going to be super interesting. Uh, Team Onesis, they, they're building something. Uh, they have another project. I don't have the link, but they, they posted a blog a couple months ago and we've been in touch with them like from, from liquid, uh, from liquid apps and got, got a cool new hoodie too. Uh, nice. <laughs> uh, but they've, they've been working on a game of their own. So this kind of ties in, I think they're going to be able to use this for their game, but the other, I, I just got to shout out a couple of the other projects block start. Everyone knows Ramon from investing with a difference and the whole block start team that basically uh, helped uh, build the moonlighting uh, system on, on that network and EOS. Uh, they won uh, second place. They built like basically a centralized uh, a way to use liquid accounts on a centralized exchange to allow people holding their EOS on that centralized exchange to be able to vote and use their uh, lease out their tokens to either individual developers or into like a Rex likes uh, system. Yeah. Yeah. This I thought was, was cool, but could definitely be improved on. Cause I think that the biggest barrier to entry with this idea is that it requires the centralized exchange to actually implement the idea. Whereas I think it maybe maybe it could be built in a way, even with the first place winner's prize um, with that liquid escrow service where somebody sends their tokens out from the exchange to the liquid escrow service and can vote there. And then it automatically gets sent back to their exchange account. Cause then you could integrate it without the permission of the exchanges, which I think would be really interesting. That'd be real. So you're saying like, okay, you're on a centralized exchange. You send your tokens out to a designated address that basically sends it to an escrow contract. And before you even send it and generate that address, you basically agree to all of the terms. Like I want to loan these out on this like Rex like liquidity pool for 30 days, blah, blah, blah. These are all the terms of my rental. I send it to the escrow contract. Uh, and then that escrow contract basically does what, what, what it was intent. The, like whatever the intention was of the tokens. And Absolutely. Then whenever that uh, the staking is done, they automatically come back to whatever like return address you give it. Yeah, and you could just specify the return address of the exchange so that it just automatically pops in your account. Because I think the biggest barrier to entry that a lot of people don't talk about when it comes to people actually moving their tokens off of an exchange into an EOS account is that they don't have an EOS account and they probably don't want to pay for an EOS account either. So using liquid accounts and using a tool like that, I think it kind of be an interesting hybrid solution that lets people utilize kind of the DeFi benefits of EOS with Rex and, and voting and things like that, um, but not actually have to have their own account that they control and manage and everything. I, I mean, I, I like the idea of integrating like a liquid escrow, but technically, uh, I, if this is all done on like a smart contract, I, I think it might even be able to be done without the escrow. If it was like completely trustless. Oh, interesting. Because yeah. you could say like, okay, create this liquid account when token, when, when EOS tokens hit it, stake them to the Rex pool for 30 days, immediately unstake and then send back to this address. Like which right. would be like Absolutely. the exchange address with this in the memo. So I guess if if the code was like audited by a very, very trusted third party, several, and people trusted that the smart contract was going to do what it said it was supposed to do, then I don't I don't know if you'd need an escrow, but Yeah, that's a good point. It's interesting to think how they could uh expand on that. I thought uh third place was pretty cool as well. This was um, I guess a procedurally generated MMO with a, a bunch of different galaxies that you could own that I guess my understanding of it is that it generates the content in the game based on the blockchain. Am I understanding that right? Yeah. Like 
it was like above my head on how he generates it. I know he used the Unreal Engine, which was super sweet. Uh, okay. Like to, to generate the, the, a lot of the graphics. Uh, it was also cool because Brock Pierce was one of the judges. So kind of seeing him in the element with these gaming uh, entries and have, hearing his questions and stuff was super cool. Uh, and and they're really impressed. This was the last one that went on and it was cool because uh, Rand Nooner was also a judge and he was like on a delayed flight the entire time. So like we, we shouted him <laughs> out. We we're like, yeah, Rand from, from uh, Crypto Trader on CNBC is going to be a judge. And then the, con then the hackathon starts and he's nowhere to be found. So oh, like, no. it was like, we were going to like, look like we, we didn't really uh, have my guest, but then he popped on during this, uh, the third place team BCS Germany during their uh, presentation Rand pops on at the very end. And it was cool. And he, wow, that's he, good. he, he liked the game. Uh, yeah. I don't have graphics ready for these guys, but uh, I guess if anyone wants to check these out, I will be having some of the uh, teams on everything EOS or on the liquid apps, YouTube, but the first ones will definitely be here on everything EOS. The, the team Onesis, the team that won, I'm just trying to schedule with him, talk to him about his project. He's because I, I, I'm pretty sure they already have a gaming project. And then we'll talk about their uh, their liquid. Uh, blah. Why am I why am I playing here? I'm thinking liquid arbitration, liquid, liquid, escrow. liquid escrow. Yeah. Okay, look, I, and I, one one uh, or I guess two crowd favorites I wanted to call out also um, that we have in our list here are Wrecked Land by Nolio, who's the guy that's been doing. <laughs> Um, the big chess challenge on YouTube and uh, his teammate Evan, but that's cool. I've been waiting for somebody to do like a blockchain based monopoly style game for a while. So I thought that was neat. And then uh, we had liquid crypto, which is anonymous voting by multiblock that uh, we were talking before the call, I guess, has the potential to solve some of the POS issues that they're running into, mm -hmm. uh, but it still requires it to be integrated on the actual network. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens. Yeah. The, the cool thing about all, so the, the, five we mentioned so the top three plus the two tied for crowd favorites uh i don't know the germany guys the third place team that well but it, it seems to me like they, they were on like max dap he did an interview before the hackathon it seems like out of all five of those projects from the hackathon that all five of them are going to continue to be developed into nice. actual production ready projects so that that was one of the uh kind of disappointments with the eos hackathons a little bit was we didn't actually see a lot of the projects come to fruition but that that's typical for a hackathon project no one expects them to be all production grade projects and ready to go and the teams building them aren't always available to continue building out whatever the hackathon service was but be, because of the nature of this hackathon and the the teams that built the projects like teams like Blockstart, who already runs a dsp and is incentivized to build out uh his voting service and then especially Liquid Crypto, which is multi-block, also a DSP, and it's, it's, it's an actual service that could be run by a DSP. It's just like they have every incentive in the world to continue building this. And Onesis with the Liquid Escrow, I mean, like just talking here for the past five minutes, there, there's so many possibilities. But it was super yeah. awesome seeing the gaming theme. It was awesome getting to engage with uh, all the judges. We had Greg Lee, VP of Engineering from Block One, and I, I did get to ask him whenever it was Nolio's turn with Reckland, I said, Greg, uh, tell me if the guys at Block One paid attention to the, the chess thread from Nolio <laughs> that went on for weeks. And he, he hesitated a little bit to answer, but then he laughed and he said, some people were, and I, I already knew that. Awesome. Like if you can't be an EOS IO and not be paying attention to that stuff. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that was pretty legendary. But I, I got some confirmation from Greg and just being with Crystal Rose, Brock Pierce, uh, Ran, it, it was just an awesome 
uh, show. Uh, also, awesome gaming uh, applicants, gaming participants. And gaming yeah. is kind of like the theme of today's show. We'll, we'll eventually get into the, the dirty stuff at the end that everyone wants us to talk about. <laughs> but let's let's get into the gaming stuff here. Why don't, why don't you kick yeah. off the, the next topic with ESVC? Yes, we have another new EOSVC investment. Fortunately, this time it's not in an Ethereum project. It's in one that is built on EOS from day one. Um, they invested in the company Biscuit, which is actually the game development studio behind EOS Knight. So uh, if you don't know what EOS Knight is, it's kind of this um, like level platformer where you go through a level and your, your players fight all automatically and you sort of level them up and choose what spells and abilities they get and choose their gear and craft new gear. And it has this really cool in-game economy that's all blockchain-based where every single item is a token that actually has a lot of liquidity um, on their internal exchange. So it was cool to see them supported. And there was an interesting quote here uh, that we wanted to shout out that said, our direct investment in Biscuit extends our strategic focus of working with some of the smartest minds in the gaming blockchain sector, said Mike Alexander, CEO of USBC. And then uh, Jay Lee, founder of Biscuit, actually came out in that same article and said, Block One has closely supported us in the successful development and operation of EOS Knights from the very start. So it's really interesting. I guess there was some kind of relationship between Block One and Biscuit building EOS Knights uh, from the beginning, and now they have an official investment. So congrats to the team. Uh, yeah, they did. Definitely congrats to the team. I know you played EOS Knights for a really long time. I know Peter K played EOS Knights for a long time. Yeah. There, someone even forked it, didn't they? Yeah, they forked it into Crypto Heroes, I think, because they said that the EOS Knights developers made some changes to the um, like crafting system and the economy that, that kind of broke it in their opinion. So it was really interesting how that game evolved. Uh, so, yeah, this this project has been there from day one, and it's nice to see EOS VC kind of investing in some of the early adopters in the EOS IO ecosystem. But the one thing that the article was lacking was uh, the amount invested. Uh, do you, have you heard any rumors or anything? Like, I don't, I'm guessing it's a smaller investment if they're not announcing it, which is probably, I think it probably is. is. And I don't know any specific numbers, but I do know that they were looking for funding, um, over the past six months or so. So it's great that they, they finally found it and who better than USVC. Speaking of USVC, we got the next topic. Yeah. Cool games raised another 19 mil, uh, from a lot, a group Ooh. of previous investors, which includes two very prominent uh, ESVCs. Yeah, SPK Crypto and Galaxy Digital were both participants in this next round of Mythical Games. I think Galaxy was in on the first one, but I don't think SPK was. So it's their first, um, I guess, initial investment in this Series B uh, investment round into Mythical Games. And of course, Mythical Games are the ones that have created the Blancos game um, that I had the opportunity to play at South by Southwest Gaming this year. And I think the biggest takeaway I had from that event was wow, this is actually a triple A quality game. You know, we can't forget that the executives, the people that are building this game now at Mythical Games and, and probably many other games in the future were former executives at Activision Blizzard and all these other big studios. So it's incredible to see um, that they're getting more financial support now, which should hopefully allow them to release Blancos uh, in the near future. I, I, I like the one, the one quote I have highlighted here up on the screen. So yeah. it, it first of all, it says that they raised... $16 million last year. And then you add on this new round of funding there, a total of $35 million in funding. Whew. And if, yeah, so, so that's enough to get a lot of work done. And we, we know Blanco's was at least ready for a demo. What, what month was the South by Southwest that you got to play it? Oof. Um, I think it was this summer at some point. I don't remember the specific month off the top of my head. I think it was pre-B1 June though, because I, I remember yeah, Rudy gave me a pack of Blanco's and I, I, I knew you already had Blanco's at that yeah. point. Okay. 
regardless, uh, I like this quote here up on the screen. So it's it's from Alex Guverek, Guverek, whatever, from Javelin Venture Partners, who led this round of funding and was also part of the original round. And they said, since investing in Mythical's Series A last year, we have been incredibly impressed by the team's execution on the build out of Blanco's block party and the Mythical platform the mythical platform, which I don't even know what that is. Uh, we are very excited with the support from our new and existing investors, team and board members. Uh, and then he goes into talking about the gameplay of Blanco. So basically what he's saying here is that uh, like they're impressed with how things are going. Like they've already thrown 18 or a, a mixture of $16 million of capital into this company. And they're so happy with how the results are going that they're throwing more money into the project because they're so impressed with the team and, and also uh, the, the new hires. So I didn't finish reading the quote, but it mentioned the new hires. Yeah. And, okay. So I'll, I'll just read here. Jeff, I'm going to screw these names up, but Jeff Poffenbarger, he's the chief operating officer now at Mythical Games. And he was the studio head at Oculus VR, wow. which is giant Facebook owned. That's Facebook bought Oculus, right? Yeah. yeah, for $2 billion, I think. Yeah, so that's where he came from. And prior to that, he was a senior executive at Activision Blizzard, which is also where half the Mythical team's from. Uh, they also hired a senior vice president uh, to run their product, and he was the VP at Zynga, which if you guys remember the Farmville days and like the Facebook, stupid, <laughs> yeah. invite all your friends and annoy them and spam them on Facebook days, Zynga was like the go-to game in company for that. And also they hired a new VP of marketing who also uh, led the go-to-market strategy from uh, Telltale Games and also Zynga. So wow, awesome new hires from Mythical Games. Congratulations on the new funding. Uh, I, I just want to know when Blanco's, man. Uh, we, it was originally yeah. supposed to be at the end of this year. Yes, uh, it's still possible. We have you know a month left. Maybe they'll give us a surprise. <laughs> now they got this, this new money. They got a lot of new uh, team members. Maybe it'll be this year, but uh, if not, I would definitely expect it, it next year. I know that they posted an update in their Telegram a couple months ago saying um, basically that they were still polishing the game and, and needed time. So, I, I, I think uh, some, someone asked them in their Mythical Games group, I forget. Uh, I, think, I think they did say Q1 2020, so it is delayed a little bit. But uh, okay, nice. It, That's if, good to have a specific quarter. Yeah, I, don't quote me on that, but that... I, I think Q1 was probably whenever that South by Southwest happened the first time. And may, maybe they'll launch it at a big gaming convention like, like that like this year. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. That gives them another, I guess, another six months or so at least. Um, but speaking of big gaming news, uh, it looked like Ubisoft, which is a massive game company, the game company behind Assassin's Creed, Just Dance, Far Cry, and a bunch of other games, they were actually added as the first corporate block producer on the new ultra blockchain. So what did you think of this, Zach? I, I, I thought that that was pretty big news. Um, yeah. There were some rumors about it for a while. I got to meet uh, the one of the co-founders, Nick, and uh, their, their um, community manager, um, names drawing a blank here, <laughs> Emmanuel. Uh, and they said, like, they, I, I knew about them a little bit. I, I, I'm still not as familiar with them as I would like to be. And the reason is that they still haven't launched their main net. They are still an ERC-20 token that, yeah. as far as I know, it's on like uh, Bitfinex and some other places. It's not very liquid, but I, I just don't like ERC-20 tokens personally. That's my only rift, or that's like my only jab at them. But as far <laughs> as like, and 
uh, I don't mean anything by it. I, I would say this to them personally, and I said it to them personally, but as far as a platform and what they want to do with EOSIO, this, this blockchain is the real deal. Uh, they don't have a date. They did an AMA this morning. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to read it or this afternoon uh, in their Telegram channel where they had uh, some of the people from Ubisoft in there answering questions. Uh, but Ultra, they're basically trying to be like a, a Steam competitor, like not Steam, uh, the Dan Larimer Steam, but Steam, like the Counter-Strike Steam. And they basically want to turn gaming licenses into NFTs and then also the wow. NFT marketplace of items, all, all the fun stuff that you hear about with crypto. But the difference is that the Ultra team is super legit. So they have like the former CTO of like Dell and Time Warner on their team. They just have this deep, deep gaming experience and deep gaming connections. So it really wasn't a surprise whenever Ubisoft was announced as uh, one of their block producers. They're the first of uh, the corporate block producers that they'll uh, be running, uh, be basically producing blocks once the mainnet launches, which, uh, like I said, they don't have a date for the mainnet launch yet. I'm really waiting for that date. I, I think once we get that date, I'll be pretty excited. Maybe we could have them on to talk to you guys and share a little bit more. But um they have three block producers so far, Bitfinex, EOS New York, and EOS Rio. Those are what they call technical block producers. And then they want to, uh, so I don't know if they're planning to do 21 BPs or what their deal is. It's gonna, going to be like a federated blockchain similar to Link's chain. They'll all be hand selected, but they want to have an equal amount of corporate uh, BPs, which are like the Ubisofts or like other gaming companies. And then a mixture of like traditional block producers who really know EOS IO well and could help with all of that. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see who the next ones are. But Ubisoft is a major game company. They're the game company behind Assassin's Creed, Just Dance, Far Cry. Uh, and getting their feet wet into blockchain is super exciting in itself. Getting their feet wet into blockchain and having it be EOSIO is even more exciting. So uh, I look forward to following this project uh, as it continues to grow. Um, but I, I don't really have a conclusion to that. I, I'm, I'm super I'm bullish on the ultra project as far as wanting to see it succeed. I just, I am just saying we, we do that disclaimer at the end saying we own all these tokens, but I, I don't own ultra, but uh, I'm not going to say whether I will or not. Cause I'm already talking out my ass too much. Let's get to the <laughs> next topic here. Yeah, here we go. We're diving down. Well, yeah. 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 That's why I was, I was, I was hesitating <laughs> because we're about to go from, I want to talk positively about Ubisoft, positively about ultra positively about ESVC and all that stuff we already talked about because now we get into the EOS FUD. And yeah, this should be interesting. It's educated FUD. So we're going to kick this off yeah. with uh, Karma migrating to WAX. You want to kick this one off, Rob? Yeah, so Karma came out there. The second DAP now that I'm aware of, in addition to EarnBet, which was formerly EOSBet, um, that has said they'll be migrating off of EOS Mainnet in some way. Obviously, EarnBet gave them a 30-day notice, but I don't anticipate a change happening in the next 30 days. Um, and Karma just straight up came out and said, no 30-day notice, they're just migrating to WAX. So they're moving from the EOS mainnet to the actual WAX mainnet. Um, and Dallas had a lot of, you know, I think interesting or thought-provoking reasons why, um, if you want to pull up some of his, his tweets here. Um, but he had one tweet that said, being mad at an EOS project for moving to another EOSIO-based chain is like being mad at your friends for moving out of San Francisco to another state because it makes more sense for them economically. Pointing, of course, to the um, high cost of CPU right now on the, the EOS mainnet. And then he followed up and said, you're both still American, hashtag EOS. But he went on to say, the goal is to have millions of people using an app they enjoy, interacting with their secure EOSIO-based account so they have control over their own value. 
success on this goal is a tide that raises all boats. If you don't get this, you should. So I thought it was it was pretty thought provoking. What did you think of the uh, the move over to Wax? Uh, I, I I think it's good. Uh, I know um, just just the way that um, Karma's designed from day one. It does have very computation heavy. Uh, transactions. I, I think just to do like a simple like, it uses a lot of resources. So rather than completely go back and re-architect the entire application, it kind of does make sense to uh, look elsewhere. I, I actually forgot to put it in the notes, but you mentioned it when you're uh, recapping this topic about the earn bet giving a 30-day notice to, to leave the main net. And uh, it, it's a tough position to be in right now because I'm okay. very... One of the most beautiful things about uh, a DPoS chain and the EOS mainnet is the ability to adapt and change and reiterate over time. But the problem is for, for these applications that are already like in customer acquisition mode or in production mode is they don't really have the time to wait necessarily for things to get fixed. Uh, I am bullish that they will get fixed. We'll get into Dan Larimer's resource, resource model in a bit. We'll get into what's going on with Rex. But uh, all, all of the dApps, man, they've been put into a pretty sticky situation with the, the recs basically getting shut off for almost the last 25 to 30 days. Uh, so I can't blame them. I, I, I'm on, yeah. I, I stuck up for Dallas in the Twitter thing. People shouldn't be hating on a company for trying to uh, stay solvent and stay relevant and stay in operation. Like if the option is basically uh, die, or go to another chain to see if it works out better than uh, good, good for you guys. I, I want oh, every absolutely. EOS IO project to succeed. I am not a maximalist of any chain. I, I prioritize the main net, but, but I want them all to succeed. Um, and I think wax is a good spot for them. Uh, I mean, they are more gaming focused, so I'm not hundred percent sure on that. I know Talos was in the mix for another chain they could have went to. Uh, I, I personally, would have probably guessed that they'd move to Talos if you'd have asked me a week ago and said that they were going to change. Um, but I, I don't think that the main net like should be left completely. Uh, I, I know with what uh, Karma is attempting to do, they're going to take a snapshot of their tokens. Uh, they're going to use the same public key from the EOS mainnet on the WAX mainnet. And basically as your private key from the mainnet should be able to unlock your your tokens on, on wax. Right. So it's, it's pretty frictionless, I guess it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, but the, Go ahead. The, the problem comes down to liquidity though. Uh, the alts on the EOS mainnet on like Nudex and places like that, they're already pretty low liquidity as it is. Uh, Karma and I don't, I don't know the Karma numbers, but it's not a lot of EOS in trading volume each day. Uh, so then you add another layer to that and you have to basically trade against the wax pair and wax isn't, isn't even on uh, the main like DEXs for EOS. Like I'm, I'm speaking specifically about new decks. So I, I think it's just going to be very hard for the, the karma, the, the people that use the karma app. Uh, a lot of them are, are from like some third world countries, places around the world. And they're using uh, the karma app kind of to like earn some sort of income. And I think it's going to be really hard, harder yet to on and off board into and out of uh, Karma tokens. And then same with EarnBet. If, if they move their token off of the mainnet, it's going to still run that same liquidity issue of whether they're running their own chain or running on a sister chain, they're still going to have to deal with not having that EOS pair 
that, that doesn't even liquidity. doesn't even trade at the moment, as far as I know. Really? Yeah, I think they've prohibited it from trading. They either haven't gone after listing, or you're actually actually I think you're able to transfer because I've seen OTC deals happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think you're able to to sell it. So I don't think that'll be an issue for them. But I agree for Karma. Um, hopefully, the liquidity is solved, and it does seem like something that where Nudex could just add an additional market um, for Wax. But I think overall. Really what this highlights is, is what I've put out in a lot of tweet threads recently over the past few weeks is the cost of CPU on EOS. If it costs a business 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, sometimes $80 staked in EOS to send one transaction for a user in a day, that's just not a sustainable cost. You know, if I go out and I onboard 1,000 people, I don't have $80,000 as a small business owner to stake to, to power one transaction for each of those people a day. So I think good, karma is sort of the, the first of, of, and hopefully the last, but I think if these issues aren't resolved soon enough, I think this will be a pattern with dApps moving to other chains or at least supporting additional other chains in addition to EOS. Yeah, I, 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 the other thing that I consider though is that not all transactions are equal. So any dApp, uh, uh, depending on the transaction types, let's say like a post action on Karma might be equivalent. I, I, I'm just pulling this number out my ass. I'm sorry, Karma, if it's like way bigger, but like that might be equivalent to like 50 different like simple transfer actions, for example. So the, the cost per transaction for a token transfer would be much less than, let's say, a, uh, a post action or something, something complicated. Let's just say that Absolutely. I, 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 I'm in favor of tokens living on the main net and everything else being offloaded onto whatever sister chain or dedicated private chain, whatever it wants to be, but interfacing using things like LiquidX or LiquidLink to basically uh, be that bridge between blockchains and between resource models to allow you to get the liquidity of the main net while, while having the resource costs of uh, sister chain solutions. And I, I think we'll start seeing more of those as, as we move forward here. I know there's a lot of projects from the hackathon that are continuing to build out and projects that just weren't even in the hackathon that uh, people might not even heard about. But yeah. uh, And what's interesting is I think a lot of these CPU issues really started from Rex. You know, Rex was the sort of the, the critical failure point, in my opinion, of this whole system where we saw all of RECs get leased, um, but then capped out at this sort of artificial 80% of total RECs can be leased out, uh, <laughs> excuse me, threshold. And that really didn't raise the price high enough, ironically, to sort of prevent all of the capacity from being leased out. But what's interesting is that the RECs leases will actually expire all in a big batch tomorrow. So it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. I know that um, a lot of people have their EOS set in the withdrawal queue, so that that EOS will get automatically returned to the people who requested the withdrawal tomorrow. And then a lot of these leases are likely set to auto renew, so a lot of the leases will likely automatically renew tomorrow as well, but probably pulling from a smaller pool of EOS. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to the price. Does you know all of the the EOS immediately get leased out again, and then we have the same problem for another thirty days, or or will some other scenario play out? So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to watching and, and seeing how it all uh, plays out. Uh, I, I will definitely, I don't have anything set to auto renew, I don't think on the Rex, but I, I will be uh, renting as soon as it's available. Uh, it'll be interesting. Did you see that? Uh, I don't have the link. I'm not even going to show it, but uh, IDOS, they put out a blog update like days before these Lex, Rex expirations where they basically came up with some new token that could you could only get by burning the IDOS token. And it, <laughs> so basically it's like, they give just enough information that it's like, like they clearly understand game theory, hundred percent. Right. Like these aren't idiots. These are very smart people running this operation. They've got very deep connections to exchanges. 
So I, I don't know what to expect, man. I, I, I think it's battle testing the main net. It's stressing it to its limits. It's really uh, got a lot of people in like capitulation mode here, but I, I think it's going to make things stronger. I, I think I'd rather these issues happen now whenever we have to have these discussions about karma or maybe earn bet moving rather than like, I don't know, voice or, or projects like that. Uh, I think it's better to happen now, but it, it sucks in general. Uh, it's never good. Um, at the DAP hackathon, like if you guys watched uh, the video we put out last weekend, it was basically uh, a small version of an insane brainstorming session uh, with Tom Mescal and Ayal Herzog from Bancor. Uh, and we, we came up with a, an alternative model to Rex and then knowing that block one was also working on something and that they're probably going to publish it soon. But one, one thing with the main net is I never like whenever all of the ideas only come from like one person or one team, it, it kind of frustrated me. We're going to, we're going to get into Dan's uh, new resource model in a minute, but it just bothers me a little bit whenever like, um, like Saeed put out that update what, like two weeks ago, that would have basically turned the Rex back on and no one would approve it because it didn't come from block one. So now knowing yeah. that block one was going to put something out, I thought I, I wasn't going to stop the conversation because it kind of went, it, it wasn't meant to be like a whiteboarding brainstorming session on a better Rex. I didn't want to interrupt it and be like, Hey guys, guys, let's, let's, let's wait to solve this problem until we hear what Dan Larimer has to say. We, we knew he was going to say something. We came up with our own model anyway, just because we want to have differing opinions. In the same sense that when EOS New York put out their proposal, Block One put out their proposal almost immediately. It's always good to have uh, multiple viewpoints. And I think the, the, the biggest question overall on when it comes to improvement, I agree this is definitely a great stress test for EOS and, and as, as a whole, as a bigger thing for EOS IO. And I think it's pretty much certain that a lot of these fixes will get implemented in EOS IO, but it's really a matter of like you said, Saeed's proposal didn't get approved will the top 21 block producers actually approve any kind of changes or updates to the EOS mainnet? And I think the probability of that, in my opinion, is pretty low. Um, but I think for sure, block one will implement a lot of the fixes into you know, the official EOS IO repo. The, the interesting thing, though, is whenever we were brainstorming uh, with the Liquid Apps guys and then some, some like people like IO from Bancor, like we were working within the confines of not making big changes to system contracts. Whereas block one came out or Dan Larimer came out, I will say, and they came out with a radical proposal that would require system wide change, a system contract level changes. Like, so that's what I mean by the, like, it, it, it's hard to come up with solutions whenever I know if uh, a radical solution came out independently that required radical system contract level changes. I don't think that it would get implemented, but if it comes from block one and it's system level contract changes, it, it, it probably will get implemented. And I'm okay with that. As, as long as change happens and we're in a better spot than before, that's fine. I'm just saying that for, for a healthy ecosystem, you don't want to have just one entity coming up with all of the solutions or answers because we, we saw with the competing EOS New York and Dan Larimer proposals that there were a lot of things I liked from EOS New York's proposal and a few things I liked from Dan's proposal. And ideally, I would like a mesh of both of them. Yeah. Uh, and, but neither one in its entirety. And it goes the same for, for these resource models we're about to get into. Yeah. And I think that that also kind of hurt both proposals in a lot of ways, I think, because then, um, you know, the already fractured EOS community couldn't really get behind one single proposal. And there was no real leadership in the top 21 to come out and say, hey, here's the new proposal that we put together as a mesh of both. 
um, let's go ahead and approve it. So I, I think a lot of it just comes back to governance in the top 21, but th this proposal from Dan on CPU is super interesting. Um, do you want to give a, an overview or would you like me to do that? Uh, why, why don't, why don't you, and then I'll try to think of something really smart to say. Okay. Yeah. So this is an interesting change. It, it's really in a lot of ways, sort of an admission that Rex is broken. Um, and, and is a replacement of Rex. And there's evidence in this post about that, where they say, if this is implemented on the EOS mainnet, Rex will be sort of phased out and deprecated over the next year. So this ultimately is a replacement for Rex. It is a replacement for how resource, um, you know, lending or, or borrowing works on EOS. And essentially it works like this, 100% of all of the EOS network CPU is available for rental at all times in the CPU market regardless of how many tokens are actually staked direct. So 100% of the network capacity can be rented at all times in this new system. But the only people that actually get lease payments for that EOS are the people that have it in RECs. So there's this massive incentive to put your EOS in RECs to get the lease payments, um, because otherwise you're basically not collecting the, the, the lease payments that are associated with the CPU for your EOS. But what's really interesting about this is that you can no longer just stake EOS and send transactions. That model sort of goes away completely. I can't just, you know, stake 20 EOS, send a transaction and, and be on my way. Instead, everybody has to use this new resource model. So effectively, and we were talking about this a little bit before the show, effectively, you can still have quote unquote free transactions or transactions in the same way they are today. It just happens a little bit differently. So if I, for example, stake 100 EOS to the Rex and I earn one EOS a month, I can then use that one EOS a month to pay effectively to lease someone else's EOS and use that for transactions. So it's a bit of a roundabout way, but basically forces everyone into using this new rental market. And that's the only way you can send a transaction is if you go through that rental market. What's dangerous about this, I think, is that just like we saw Rex today and for the last 29 days has been completely locked out and no new rentals can happen, what happens if something like that happens on this new model? And then even those that own EOS and would have staked it can't send a transaction. So I think it, it's really interesting um, how the game theory might play out in something like this. Just going to pull up. I was looking for this tweet um, from Cheney Moore at CPU Emergency. He, he said uh, uh, about this resource model that will have several impacts. The biggest one I see is the two-third of the network currently reserved by accounts with staked CPU that are no longer using it can't hold it hostage. This should allow the network to approach capacity. And what that means is um, the, the tokens that are basically allocating CPU resources. So right now, all CPU is distributed, like the percentage of the, the network stake to, to your stake, but not everyone's actually using that CPU. So like, let's say uh, I have- Block one is a great example. Block one, they have uh, 100 million tokens. Uh, staked. That means that they're using 10 per, they're, they're allocating themselves 10% of the network resources every single day, but they're not using them. That's, that's 10, that's 10% of the network less capacity that everyone else has to use until like voice and everything else launches and they might actually use that capacity with this new model, instead of just, uh, hundred percent of all capacity of the network is available in this resource model. So everyone has to basically use their liquid EOS to rent from, from, I'll just keep calling it Rex. It's kind of confusing because in the, uh, the proposal, he says he's going to be phasing out Rex, but like, he means like Rex markets as it is today. Yeah, and then like, like 1.0. Yeah. But he's, there's still a thing called the Rex pool, which is where all the fees get poured into, which is where, 
the name auctions and the RAM market fees. And then the, the Rex 2.0 or whatever we want to call it, he calls it the CPU markets. So if you read the article or if you read the article, you have to kind of, he uses Rex indistinguishable and like, you can't really, you have, it's Rex markets. And I think CPU markets is how he, he distinguishes the two. Yeah. But um, the difference, so everyone's kind of like, how's this ad? Uh, I think the biggest question is, and, and you even had the same question before we went on here is, doesn't this like take away utility or take away value from the EOS token? Like you want to reword that to how you actually said it? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I think this sort of, it undermines the value, the utility value of EOS, right? EOS will go from being ownership of the network as it's been pitched from day one as, hey, if you own 1% of the EOS tokens, you own 1% of the capacity of the network and nobody can take that from you. But in this new model, assuming it is approved by the top 21 VPs after it's codified by block one, um, that right effectively goes away. And now in order to, to sort of regain your ownership, uh, you basically have to stake into Rex and then just earn leasing fees from it, but you don't actually own it anymore. There's no way it seems um, for me to delegate CPU to another account. Maybe there still is, but I think I would basically just be paying the leasing fees for somebody else. But I know there were a lot of people, uh, myself included, who were involved in OTC CPU deals where it was another method outside of Rex to monetize the EOS that you had. So you could say, hey, you know, you're a DAP and you need a bunch of CPU. Let me uh, guarantee that I'm going to dedicate this, this EOS to you for the next, you know, 90 days if you need a longer contract outside of Rex. And that could be done OTC. And a lot of those deals still happen today. But this really undermines a lot of that and, and, and even, I think, removes a lot of competition like Shintai and all these other people and, and basically forces the market to use one leasing option. And I don't know that that's really a good thing. Right now, we have all these different ways that you can get CPU on EOS whether you're using something like Wyoming Cloud and you know, you're know you buying it with PayPal and then you have resources or somebody staking it to you or you have an OTC deal or you're using Shintai or you're using Rex. But to force everybody to go through one system with a very strict set of rules, I think could be flawed. And Phoenix brings up a good point as well that says, how can a business predict costs for supporting their transactions with Dan's model month to month? And I really don't think they can. And that's something that I think they, they claim the proposal could do but it's still not going to be a stable price because the price is, is dependent on supply and how many people um, are demanding CPU. So I don't think that this is the answer to all of the CPU woes, unfortunately, but it is definitely good to see Block One finally admitting even indirectly that Rex and maybe the current system is broken to some extent. Uh, yeah, I, I just, we, I don't know what all we missed in our, our discussion here, but there are a few things I wanted to point out from the article. Rob, are you able to see my screen here? Yeah, I can see it. Okay, so uh, where's the first part I wanted to bring up? Blah, blah, blah. This is interesting here, this line. It is possible that future versions of EOSIO governance may choose to pay block producers a percentage of the rental income, which would align their interests in maximizing the utility value of the network. I thought that was super interesting there because could you imagine if uh, the inflation percentage paid to BPs went down and they relied heavily on actual network utility so that their incentives were aligned with growing the network and their pay wouldn't be guaranteed. It'd be more of a free market. What, what, what do you think of, of that? Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. I mean, that may be the carrot on the stick that Block One has to put out to get something like this to pass where they basically, and that, that's, that's pretty genius. I mean, you include something like that in a proposal um, and that, that basically makes the block producers more money. And we all know the top 21 is pretty much solely interested in more money. Um, so that should definitely scratch that itch for them. But I, 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 
honestly hope that this isn't implemented because I think even though the current Rex is not ideal, it still has the 80% cap, which can be changed, assuming the top 21 will actually change it. Mm-hmm. Um, we have all of these other solutions. Shintai 2.0 is about to launch um, and come online with all these leasing markets. But if you make a system level change like this, after promising people that this is the way the system works for more than a year now, you're going to put some people out of business. You're going to break a lot of things. And I just don't know that this is the best way to go about it. Well, uh, so usually whenever you have competing ideas, fork it. So that's kind of what's going on. Uh, we have Dan proposes that on day one, you split the recs, the, the recs today, 50% of all CPU allocation, and then like the new model, 50% of allocation. And he proposes that over a year, that you could phase out the recs. So I, I, he didn't really give uh, a great I- idea on that. Uh, or maybe I'm just reading it wrong because all of these algorithms and like uh, equations he's giving me, they go over my head. So I apologize if he says this stuff. But what if like the capacity, so if on day one, it's 50% in traditional recs, 50% in the other new version of recs. What if like that 50% teeters to each direction based on usage? So whatever market's being used more, whether it's the traditional Rex or the new Rex model, like whatever Rex is more widely used is the one that'll win. It's like the fork of the resource model that'll win and they could both coexist. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I think that that would be great. The more options, the better. The biggest question I have is when that new Rex is an option, does the ability to stake EOS to gain CPU go away as well? Because if that goes away on day one, I think that breaks a lot of other things that I don't think they're really thinking about. It uh, wouldn't, as far as I know, I'll pull up the screen one more time. Um, it says eventually staking EOS to CPU and net could be deprecated and removed as everyone moves to the new market rental markets, but that's only if they would move to the new rental markets. Um, right. And then if adopted by the community, those who own EOS and stake for themselves would have to shift to renting CPU from the new markets as their existing staked EOS would have a decreasing market share on the total CPU market. Um, And it says down here, however, the biggest change would be the gradual loss of the ability to own CPU forever via staking EOS for a share of CPU. But let's let's get back to that forever model because what's the biggest app over the next couple months that we expect to come on the EOS mainnet? Probably voice. Voice, right? And block one owns 10% of all of the EOS tokens, 100 million tokens, give or take. So with the current model, they stake to themselves. Their 100 million EOS will make it so that they never run out of CPU for the longest time, especially since they're using like multiple chains on the back end to offload computation and all kinds of fun stuff. So they're doing bare minimum on the main net. With the current model, block one would just sit cushy, comfortable with their 10% stake nothing would ever change. They would never rent from Rex. They would never lease to Rex. They would probably just stake and hodl. With the new model, let's say, let's say voice comes out in the next year. And I don't think it's going to use all of their network resources. Like it might use 1% of all of the EOS resources. It's not going to use all 10% that Block One owns. So with this new model, if you use less resources than you spend transacting, you're essentially accumulating EOS is what's happening there. Block one with this new resource model is able to do nothing if staking got deprecated and it just automatically like rolled over into this new system so that they could stay 
like out of it and say, we didn't change this. The system changed. Then block one, until they start using 10% or more of the network resources, will be accumulating EOS. Because 10% of resource, we're doing about 60 million transactions per day. Until block one is doing 6 million transactions per day, and that's with EOS IO 1.8. Once we get a 2.0 times what, 12, 6? Uh, times 6, I believe. So they could do 36 million a day. So do we really expect voice to do 36 million transactions a day early on? I, I don't think so. So that gives block one increasingly more stake in the network. And because of that, they're incentivized to kind of grow the network because the more, uh, the more transactions going through the network that aren't block ones means that's kind of increasing the floor of CPU. So it's a balancing act though. It's still gonna continuously be this balancing act. This is like the one positive I see out of this that people haven't talked about yet is it is a way for block one to accumulate EOS tokens without purchasing them on the market. And then once they start using their tokens, their usage, since they're paying basically for each transaction, they, like it's kind of like you have a gas tank. If you're not transacting, your gas tank's filling up with liquid EOS. And then whenever you're ready to transact, you start spending that liquid EOS for, for the transactions. So that means once they start transacting heavily from voice or from future products, they're going to be paying liquidity indirects. So it's going to increase the total payments that everyone else is getting. Granted, block one would get 10% of all the Rex payments if they own 10% of the entire stake. But it, it would be interesting because it gives them a model where they could accumulate EOS without buying EOS. And I think that's- yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's good for a mega whale like block one, but I don't know that that's good for everybody else. Like I it's agree. great for them, they can accumulate more. But if you only have you know, 10, 50, 100 EOS, you might be spending some of that EOS every single day to send transactions like we've seen um, with CPU being so high. Yeah, we, we have to see where, where the price sits. So he mentions in the article how there, it's like a balancing act. You either, uh, I forget what, how his curve went, but basically the percentage of the total, I, I can't even, I, I, like I said, man, I, I, someone else, I, yeah. I, need, I need like EOS Canada or EOS Detroit to really dumb this down for me <laughs> with these damn equations. but. Uh, whenever we think of stakeholders in the network, right now uh, you have people self-staked, people renting from Rex, people staked to Rex, uh, and then Liquidios. But with this new model, like it, it seems super complicated at first, and I'm still like overwhelmed by the by the complicity of it all. But whenever Dan like wrote his uh, updated tweet, he says like it's more simple than the Rex because with the new model, if if it was the only model, you'd have no, you'd have either EOS in the Rex. You'd have liquid EOS, which could be spent for transactions. And that's basically it. Like you have liquid EOS and then you have Rex EOS. There's no other EOS in the system. Uh, so that does simplify things there. And the liquid EOS wouldn't have voting rights and the liquid EOS could be spent for transactions. So most people, whenever they transfer EOS from an exchange to like an EOS wallet, they're running into this issue now, now where they can't transact because all they have is liquid EOS. Liquid EOS. They don't have any staked EOS. Under the new model, they'd be able to transact and they would just come out of their, their liquid EOS most likely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think what's, what's so interesting about all this is that it seems like all of these issues, even if there is a system issue, the long-term issue boils down to a problem with governance, which is that the top 21 um, doesn't seem to want to implement a lot of proposals and, and it hasn't really implemented any thus far other than the 1.8 features. Um, but EOS New York 
is doing something to call out some of them, namely the sock puppet problem, which is that a lot of these block producers are setting up multiple other additional block producers that likely don't have infrastructure, didn't even have a website until recently, um, and are basically using that to just drain money out of the system. As much as $180,000 over the last three months was drained out by six sock puppet VPs that EOS New York called out. So these are Star Galaxy VP, Validator for EOS, EOS Zeus IO BP1, EOS Union IO BP, EOS Athena BP1, and EOS Rainbow BP. All BPs you probably haven't heard of because they didn't have a website until very recently when somebody, I guess from EOS Shenzhen, registered all six of their websites at the same time under the same account. Um, and well, all of these websites were obviously in their, their BP.json files on chain as well. I think what happened, so EOS 42 proposed something that got passed, right? And it was like the bare minimum to be a block producer. Like you had to have a yeah. website, you had to have this and that. And then basically, who I don't know who proposed it, but they put these six BPs feet to the fire and said, these guys aren't compliant BPs according to the, the uh, referendum we all, or the proposal that we all passed. And then that's whenever all of these BPs spun up a website at the exact same time with very similar templates. Well, and all with this the actual same registered owner yeah. of the domain in the ICANN system, which is how it was linked. And it, there, there's really no denying it either, because if you look at the website that they put in their bp.json file on chain, which can only be signed with the block producer account, they put in that website that was then linked to all six of the other websites. So here's the who has search results that show they're all registered by the same people. Um, it's the email. What is that? Eosh? Anyway, uh, I can't read it on the, the type right here. Uh, but it's eoshenzen at gmail.com. Pretty damning. Yeah, so so <laughs> pretty wild to see. And then to have those same same websites linked on chain from the official accounts um, shows that those are their official websites. So I agree, totally damning. And now there are actually um, six different proposals for the top 50 block producers to vote on, um, on whether or not they want to remove these six block producers who are very clearly owned and or managed by a single entity. So what's interesting about these proposals though is that EOS New York themselves has not voted on them. <laughs> That's why a lot of people, a lot of other BPs are hesitant to vote on it um, because EOS New York hasn't yet. Aloha EOS is the only one that's approved them. So uh, EOS New York, if you're out there listening, please go vote on, vote on this, approve the proposal that you propose to give confidence to the other block producers to come in and approve it as well. I think you'll see a lot of approvals after you do it, um, but nobody's gonna do it if you don't do it first. Yeah, I, I, I just want to call this out as bullshit. Like you read some of the numbers that I calculated here. So let's just put this in the perspective of what's happening here. There's six block producers. They're all in positions like what, 45 to 60 or something. And they, they, they've, they've registered three months ago. And basically the week that they registered, they're automatically in paid positions because this graph's been showed like this bit hum, like proxy, I think, feeding them all of the votes. So they've been in paid positions as block producers for three months at roughly 110 EOS per day each. So every single day, 660 EOS are just getting siphoned out of the system into whatever these sock puppets are paying for, whether they're subsidizing rewards proxies or just getting pocketed by someone. I, we don't know because nobody can get a hold of these BPs. And if you take the average of like a $3 EOS, which it probably averaged over the last three months, that's $180,000 in money that's been like siphoned completely out of the system. We have, we have block producers going completely out of business or who haven't been profitable for a year. We, we have things that have been built by the community, like the lost key solution, uh, 
the referendum, like all of these tools have been built by the community for a lot less money than that. And that's just money kind of getting sucked out. So whether the top 21 are able to remove or want to remove these BPs, I, I, I think the, I don't know if they will or not. I really hope they do, but I think this proposal is going to be the most uh, interesting visual we get on where everyone stands. And like you said, like Kevin, EOS New York, like you put this out there. We know that everyone who signs yes to this is putting a crosshairs on their back because whoever owns these top six BPs, I think they're also well-connected. And I think a lot of people behind the scenes probably know who they are. So it, it's going to ruffle a lot of feathers here. I, I think we're going to see some fireworks here with seeing who supports this and doesn't support it. And the ones that don't support it, why? Like, why, why won't you support it? Like, how, how could someone be in favor of $180,000 being completely siphoned out of, out of the system? Uh, I'm going to just pull up the, the homepage here. We'll start closing out here soon. But if you just look at the block producers that are just outside of paid positions, let's just look at the six block producers that are immediately out of paid positions right now because of these six BPs. Block producers like Eosphere, HK EOS, EOS Node 1, EOS Dublin, EOS Amsterdam, EOS Liberty Block, Chios, Tokenica, all Genesis BPs that are pushed out of paid positions because of six BPs that are doing absolutely nothing and don't even try to hide the fact that they're doing nothing. Like that's the worst part to me is it's like a big kick in the face whenever it's like, you don't even pretend to care. Like oh, pretend, yeah. well, I pretend. Think, I mean, the same people that are making all these sock puppet accounts are likely some of the same people that are in the top 21. So uh, I agree. I mean, I think the probability that any of the top 21 kicks their own, uh, you know, money-making BPs out of the system is, is basically zero. But I do think it'll be an interesting vote to see which BPs in the top 50 are sort of for this and which are against it. So we... we we can't leave people hanging without some optimism, Rob. We're usually the most optimistic people in the ecosystem. I just want to remind everyone, the blockchain governance proposal put out by Dan Larimer about a month ago, um, You whenever Dan proposes things, you can't really look at them in a vacuum. You have to kind of like look at the last like three things he proposed was and then kind of combine them all together. And I don't think we've seen the last of the bonding of EOS. So the staking pools for the three month, six month, 12 month, two year, five year and 10 year, I think we're going to see those come back up uh, as far as like what you could do with your tokens and with the new resource model. So I, I think step one with, with these changes we're going to see is one token, one vote or one divisible vote. I think once we see that, that'll be step one to removing sock puppet BPs. Like there will be no more incentive for any of these cartel exchanges to spread out their votes. They'll just put all their vote concentration on their own BP and the payouts will all be based on vote percentage. So like- Let me ask you a question though, Zach. If you were a top 21 BP right now making about a thousand EOS a day, right? So close to $3,000 a day, would you vote for this new proposal that jeopardizes that money you're making or would you just continue business as usual? So they, they don't get solidified into these positions because they don't own any EOS. They own significant stake in the network. And I, I think you have to consider that. So the, the question is, is it their stake or is it the stake of their users on their exchange? I, I think it's a little bit of both. So that, that's, that's a big issue too. You have to figure out how you could um, kind of remove an exchange being able to vote with their, their, their users token. So like you could always lock up liquidity 
So maybe if you want to earn from Rex, for example, with the new Rex, you have to have that minimum of a 30-day stake. So if you mandate a 30-day stake, then you automatically make it more difficult for exchanges to have all of- My biggest point is that it, all it, of the people that you would be impacting with a proposal like this are the ones that have to pass the proposal. So I don't think they're going to pass it. Like if, if, if I it was one of these top 20 MVPs making $3,000 a day, and that's guaranteed today, I'm locked in, I got all the votes for it, I've done all my vote trading agreements, why would I implement a new system where that $3,000 a day is not guaranteed? I just don't think that's going to happen. Well, is there something you don't know that I don't know? <laughs> No, I mean, that's just, I think, logically thinking from this, the perspective of the BPs, putting yourself in their shoes. If you're making a thousand years a day and it's guaranteed, it's locked in, why would you take the risk on this new one token, one divisible vote system and jeopardize that revenue for your company? I don't think you would. So they're not earning a thousand years a day, is first thing, is a lot of the revenues getting redistributed to voter rewards. So it, they are earning a lot. They're definitely earning a lot and they don't want to give up their income. I don't want to say they're not earning anything but they're not earning like in profits, the amounts that we see, but it, they're earning profit, I, I don't get me wrong. So basically it's costing them a lot of money to stay in these positions to earn these smaller amounts. So I, I don't know like how things would shake up with the, the new voting system, but they, they might stand to make more. I know with the EOS New York proposal, for example, they increased the inflation to, to a, a flat number instead of a percentage. So in the short term, they would actually be earning more EOS. Yeah, absolutely. You recall, I you recall. Yeah, you're oh, right, no, though. They ha there has to be a reason. They're not going to vote it for no reason. You have to yeah. give them something in return. And I, I think we haven't talked about it in a while. Uh, maybe we should have Kevin on here sometime to bring it to everyone's attention again. But in his proposal, like the, the cartel BPs and the top, like they'll have solidified positions, like the top eight, nine, 10. You're never going to be able to move those BPs out of their positions, but at least you'll know that they're only one entity. Uh, and and uh, they'll be earning more. I, I mean, I, I don't have it in front of me. I'm not freshened up on it, but I do remember that. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's definitely possible. It's just a matter of if they want to want to take the risk, if you can model, because I think a lot of that can be modeled out in a new system where you can say, okay, you know, assuming we keep the votes that we know that we have, we know we're going to make this much money, but there's a lot of game theory components that come into play where, you know, some of it can't be modeled out. So it, I guess it depends on if they're more conservative, if they think a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, then maybe they'll, um, you know, keep the current system. But if they want to take the risk on making more money, maybe they will implement it. We'll see. Well, one of the, when I was in Korea with liquid apps for the Korea blockchain week, like one of the things I heard from some of the people there were that a lot of the uh, employees at the exchanges that are doing all these voters, like trading, vote trading and stuff, that they're exactly that they're employees. So it's not even like, uh, like, I don't want to call anyone up by name. Cause I don't know who's doing what at these, at this point, but Let's say like exchange number one, like the executive team isn't the one, aren't the ones dealing with all this vote trading stuff. It's all like these low level employees that basically their job is to either vote trade and extract value from the system or get fired. So that, that, that puts them in a difficult position because it's like they, they're the ones on the ground floor and they talk to all the other BPs and they know it's fucked up, but they, they can't really stop it because stopping it themselves basically puts their job at risk. So yeah, hundred percent. And from the, you know, the CEO of, you know, Huobi, I'm sure, is only concerned on one thing, and, and that's likely profit. So when the person who's in charge of the EOS division and running all the EOS block producers and the sock puppets comes to them and says, hey, you know, I don't think we should make this money anymore, I don't think that's going to fly with 
the CEO. You're right. So do you think it's never going to get solved or it'll take more iterating to get solved? Like, what do you think is going to happen here? My current opinion right now is that it, I think it will get solved as EOSIO or maybe on other EOSIO chains, but every day that goes by and we don't see a solution, I get a little bit more bearish on the actual EOS mainnet solving its problems just because there's really no leadership that wants to make these uh, changes in my opinion. And of course I could be wrong. I would love to be proven wrong, but that's my current stance on it now that I think uh, maybe the division will be thousands of chains in the future and, and one of them will solve the governance issue and come out with a good process. But it, it just seems less and less likely every day that the EOS mainnet specifically will be the one to solve those issues. Yeah, I mean, there, there's also, uh, you could have multiple governance models too. I mean, let's say, I know EOS New York's proposal wasn't codified or anything. It like wasn't implementable. It was just more of an idea. Same with Dan's. Yeah. But hypothetically, like if it was all coded out, you could run parallel EOS mainnets with the same distribution, just differing governance models and then see which one would win. Because yeah, I think that could be a great solution. Maybe somebody out there is bold enough to actually fork the EOS mainnet. Um, then the question becomes, you know, if you can get liquidity, but I think there are, there may be well-connected enough people out there that could go out and fork it and, and maybe then uh, have some kind of a new governance model that, that can't be cartelized. I mean, it, it would have the same distribution. So you basically are working with the same snapshot, but with, with differing ways mm. of governance. And if everyone who owned EOS gets one of all of these different models, then the, the, the market cap's going to shift to the one that people like the most. Because if you want to play it extra safe, every fork, and I'm, I don't know what a fork would even look like. This is like the first I'm even talking about this. So I haven't really thought it out, but like, what would a fork even look like? Who would have the EOS token symbol, I guess would be like the biggest thing in question. And I guess the original chain would most likely keep that unless like yeah. over a long period of time, it just got beaten. Oh yeah. Out. I mean, if you look at the, the top 21 and who the top 21 block producers are, a lot of them are exchanges with Bitfinex, Huobi, OKX, um, people like Nudex as a decentralized exchange, Big One, um, and probably some others that are missing, WhaleX as well. So a lot of them are exchanges that they basically control those listing decisions. So I think it's, if there was a fork, it would have to be under a new token name. And I, I also think if somebody is going to fork it out there, airdropping to the EOS token holders might not make the most sense because the current distribution is largely in part what put us in this situation. Obviously, the governance configuration um, had a lot to do with that as well. So maybe you still could if you change that configuration up. But I think basically giving all the tokens to the same people that the same few people that own the majority of the tokens now might not be the best idea either, but it'll be interesting to see. I, I think the EOS mainnet will always have value. It's the most secure chain, whether like the BPs, whether you like them or you don't, they've never stolen anything. Uh, I, I guess you could argue whether they've stolen with the siphon tokens, but they've never reversed transactions or things like that. I think having that high market cap makes it a lot harder to attack. So I think there's always going to be value there. You look at a, a chain like, I don't know, Talos or any of the other ones, uh, you could, it, it, with enough money, you could put them in the same predicament that the mainnet's in here. Like right now, a lot of the sister chains are uh, pointing out that they don't have the same issues and they do have some precautionary measures, especially Talos. They've got, I think, a board that could just kick out BPs that aren't cooperating. Yeah. I think a lot of them have that. But like whenever there's incentive to game the system is whenever you get all these stress tests. And, Absolutely. and, and until these other chains have the incentive to stress test them and game them, we don't know the vulnerabilities of everyone. So I'm, what I'm trying to say is it's not always greener pastures elsewhere, but I think in the short term, it's hard to argue that the pastures aren't greener. I'm just looking at it from a more long-term perspective. I, I think 
block one's incentives are still lined with the EOS mainnet. I still think voice will launch on the EOS mainnet, even if it has uh, private and public like chains doing all kinds of crazy stuff in the back end. Um, I, 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 I think that with the new resource model, if it's implemented, I think the point I brought up where uh, block one will be feeding into the RECs with their transaction costs and then also uh, accumulating EOS will more align them with the mainnet also. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I think the, yeah. the shortest term thing to look forward to is what happens with Rex. Less than 24 Absolutely. hours from now, we have a, a, what, like 30 million, some crazy number of tokens expiring on their leases. Uh, I want to say it's something like 90, but I could, I could be wrong on that figure. That's I'm not looking at the, the Blocks dashboard now, but it's pretty exciting. Definitely tune in the next 24 hours. If you're not in Everything EOS Telegram, go ahead and join it. T.me slash everything underscore EOS. Uh, I know a bunch of people will be talking about it in there, so stay tuned. All right. I think we've gone over an hour. We usually keep them under an hour. I think uh, this is a good spot to sign off here. Uh, awesome. We do the thing of uh, what? Until next time, I'm Zach. Yeah, Gold. until next time. I'm Rob Fibsch. And this... And this. Is everything, is everything EOS. EOS. Go EOS. Go EOS. Leave a go EOS in the chat. We'll see you next time.